Welcome to the Gen Z Marketer Podcast, where we have marketing conversations and everything in between. Here we talk about marketing, branding, e-commerce, and the power of integrated marketing communication. I'm Jimmy O'Malley, a strategist, passionate, and specializing in branding and marketing for e-commerce. This episode is a little bit different from our other Market Talks episode. This time, our invited guest will be hosting, and we will talk about my journey as a brand strategist, how I started and ended up where I am right now, and what I've learned so far. We also talk about mental health and how, you know, strategists or marketers like me actually have mental health struggles as well. This discussion is unfiltered and unedited, just like how our guest host does it at his podcast. By the end of this episode, you should have an idea a little bit more about myself, what I do, how I came from, and basically what the human version or what who I am outside of this podcast. Our guest host was previously here on the podcast and we talked about influencer marketing, which you can check out. He's also the host of Igla Productions and now let's welcome back Paolo Aguas. Hey James, sorry about that. Uh, you know how the internet is here in the Philippines. Yeah, but I know. I am so happy to, to be here. Uh, thank you for inviting me and hello to... Uh, Jamias, uh, you know, viewers and all. I'm Paolo, and yeah, you know, I'm just so happy to to be back, and uh, and I get to speak to Jamie about her journey, becoming a brand marketing strategist. You know, just all about Jamie for for this episode, and yeah, I call her Jamie by the way, Jamie James, yeah. Jamia. And, yeah, and I think you know me well enough to know what my journey was like, of course, but. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited to also share that with the people who are listening to the podcast regularly, just to give them really an idea on who I am as a person, you know, other than hearing what I think about marketing and branding. Definitely. So, James, I mean, you know, I'm not really sure if you've told your viewers this, but why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? I mean, obviously, yeah, you're a brand marketing strategist, but why don't you talk about like when you're a kid? when you got to college, why did you decide to get into marketing? You know, stuff like that. Okay, yeah. So this is actually a story that I'm not even sure if you know this as well. But um, growing up, parang I always or I already knew what I wanted to take up when I was in fourth grade. Um, it was because parang I was an avid reader of the Total Girl magazine. I'm not sure if you remember. It's from Summit Media. So it's the tween or girly version of K-Zone. And I remember reading one of the articles wherein they mentioned the roles of the staff or the editors. And I remember just wanting to be one of them or wanting to be that, wanting to work for a magazine. So early on, I already knew I wanted to take up communication. And then when I got to high school, um, things somewhat grew or somewhat um, evolved. So um, actually in my high school, we had like a, we were a business and science high school. And when we reached like our third year, we have an option to take electives from the business or science track. And I remember choosing business because that was the best option for me. So I had like an advertising class and I remember just falling in love with advertising as well. So I was thinking, oh, maybe I should do advertising because it's such a creative um, <laughs> role or it's such a creative platform. And then um, during that year also, um, our school actually competes in what you call the Teenpreneur Challenge. So a lot of schools such as Ateneo actually compete in that as well. And I remember when we were sent to, you know, represent our school um, during our, during my third year, um. We didn't really place, but I did enjoy that experience because the idea of the Teenpreneur Challenge was to, uh, you get a product, you get a product from um, a small business owner, and then you have to innovate it, and then you have to sell it in Mega Mall, and then whoever sells well and whoever innovates well wins or gets a prize. Yeah. So during my third year, um, we didn't really do well, but when I was in fourth year, wherein my batchmates and I were really in control. We actually won Best in Innovation. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we turned like your, you know, your basic everyday plain candles 
So what we did, we innovated it to become like an M&M shape or coffee mug shape and then coffee scented. I remember like, yeah, it was, it was really so fun. Wait, so, so you, you, you made candles that smelled like coffee and were shaped like coffee mugs and or M&M's as in the chocolate? Yeah, like we shaped it like the literal, you know, the M&M's with the, like the mask with yeah. the face, yeah, with the face and the hand. So yeah. the, the business owner was able to create molds for that. So that was the shape of the M&M, like candle, and then it smelled like chocolate. And then the coffee mug um, candle smelled like coffee. No, it's or you know. I think that's that's amazing. But okay, so sorry to cut you off, no. But mm-hmm. what made you guys decide to choose a candle and be like, you know what? I think you know people in Metro Manila are missing coffee-shaped candles and coffee-scented candles. I mean, how did that get into your mind? Actually, um, the 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 one that facilitates the Teenpreneur Challenge, which is ESA or the Entrepreneur School of Asia, which is I think FAMS International right now. They are the ones who assigns like whose product or who is the business owner that you get to work with. So we never really chose the candle. I think it was just given to us. So if I remember correctly, huh? Because this was like a decade ago. So yeah. So yeah, yeah, we got it in yung candle, and that's parang you get like how many months to really conceptualize. Of course, like wh- how you will innovate it and stuff, right? So I think yeah, we were brainstorming and then. We had that idea, na, oh, coffee-scented candles, and then shaped like coffee and something like that. I think that's just really amazing. Okay, so this was in your high school year, right? Yeah. And after high school, so wait, in the first place, at grade four, you already knew what you wanted to do. That's really crazy. So you said to yourself, I want to get into marketing, man. You know, I think that's amazing yeah. because at grade four, I mean, I don't know if it's because I'm a guy or what, or if because I was immature. I wanted to be a film director. I wanted to somewhat work in nasa maybe as an astronaut or not but yet i suck at science right but i think that takes a lot of maturity for you to know what you want to do and it's because of a like the the tween version of k-zone in a way right total girl is like the tween yeah version. yeah so, and actually yeah, yeah go. go ahead no you know go ahead go ahead and actually yeah you said like in early on i kind of knew that i wanted to do marketing but i think even at grade four i didn't really know what marketing was exactly during that time diba? so okay. it's probably you know, that's why i was so bent into writing i was so much into writing i actually lo- wrote a lot of essays a lot of you know i had a lot of works during that time up to high school until that teenpreneur challenge in that advertising class as an elective wherein it kind of sh- started to shift into at, at first i thought advertising but then i realized now it's marketing diba? Yeah. No, I think that's really amazing. Okay, so after you did that successful candle thing and the owner of the, of this candle business, are they still alive or I mean are they still running? Um you know? I wouldn't I wouldn't know unfortunately. Although that's something that I wish I knew, you know, because I think when I got into college, remember you, you owner and stuff but yeah i i do hope he's doing well you know i do hope that yeah i mean it would be cool if you can be like hey i these are my ideas that you're selling can, can i get a cut <laughs> no i'm just kidding about the cut part yeah. but no but yeah that, that would really be cool okay so you did extremely well with your college project you know about the candles but as what you said it wasn't really something that you chose it was given to you guys so it's a good thing it wasn't a leche flan business because I'm not really sure what you could have done. <laughs> Maybe you could have done coffee yeah. mug with leche flans or whatever. Yeah. But uh, okay, so you got into college, right? And yeah. Sorry, what did you take up again in college? I took up communication in okay. Miriam. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you took up com basically. And when you took up com, right? Obviously, there are times that you're having fun. And there are times where, you know, you, you were really challenged, right? Uh, yeah. My question is more on, did you ever feel that you weren't in the right course? I mean, because of, let's say, there's a difficult project, a difficult class, or maybe you're just, you know, down on luck or whatever? Mm, I think I always knew, you know, because yeah, even younger, I always knew uh, Com was meant for me. And when I got there, uh, I definitely uh, felt that I belonged. But there were... There are certain parts of com because com is a very broad like 
you know, spectrum. There's a lot of things going on. So it's not just marketing. It's not just advertising. You have public relations. You have film. You have theater. You have radio. You have television. So you have all of these things. And it's a very creative uh, course, of course. So for me, I think the times that I felt that I didn't belong or that I was a fish out of water would be every time we had a production and I would be given like a very technical role. Like um, we had a we had a major on like photo editing, all those Photoshop things. And I, I had zero knowledge, zero idea of what I was doing, yet I passed. So every time we also have, let's say like TV or film, and then you have to shoot. So I, I can take videos, sure. I can take photos, but you know, when you're editing it, when you're, let's say, checking the technical stuff of things, I, I can't really do those things. I think those are the certain skill sets that I definitely felt like, oh, okay, maybe maybe it's not for me. But the thing about it is you have blockmates na parang, you all have your different strengths and weaknesses. And there are really people who are inclined to production. There are really people like me who are more inclined to, let's say, management or, you know, being a producer, making sure everyone is doing their tasks, bringing all the props and so on and so forth and being more of like a like creative or, you know, thoughtful or leader or the writer. Like that's me. I'm not the production person. I'm more of the the thinker, I would say. Okay. That, that's pretty cool. So I wanted to ask, and this will be like a fun, like bit of trivia for your listeners. But I do remember you had this Facebook story. I'm not sure if you shared it or, yeah, you probably shared it because how else would I see it? Wherein you're in the Miriam calf and you guys were doing like a a song cover about cleaning the calf or something. Was that super bass? Not the super bass. Was that super bass? Super or bass. Tips? Yeah, yeah, it's super bass. The song was super bass, and then we had to change it to super bass. So yeah. I, that project was basically we had to do what was the project? I don't even remember what the class was. I I think it was audiovisual production. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I remember the 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 objective was I think to to be to do something creative to promote like a certain cause or a certain part of the school. I, I'm not sure, and apparently I, I remember we chose like you know reminding people to bust their plates at the calf, yeah, and I remember yeah yeah right? that the super bus yeah. So I actually wrote the lyrics to that. Yeah, because a fun fact about you is you, you memorize the the rap part of Super Bass, right? Or is that Starship? Super Bass, yeah. Super Bass, right? You memorize the rap part, which, you know, when you when you see Jamie, you know, and this is not to pass judgment on her, but you wouldn't think that that's the rapping song that she would memorize. You know? yeah. uh, no judge, again, no judgment, just that yeah. it just surprises you. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if you know me, and then it's like, you know, Paolo memorizes just one song, like the one Filipino song. And it's like Esperanza by April Boy. Like you'd be like, what? Really? From all of the Philippines? But yeah, no, that, that was a very fun tidbit. And do you remember if you were stressed while making it or did you just have all the fun in the world? I think, um, if I remember also, I think that yeah. project or that subject was, I think, in my final year and then my final sem. Oh, so- okay. So I think usually when you're graduating, you're more of having fun already. You're more quite relaxed, I suppose. So I remember I just mostly had fun with it. And I mean, even with Com, actually, usually, Pao, just to share, it's also quite stressful because sometimes you have like two, three production subjects happening at the same time. same time, And you have different productions, so it's all different things. So it could be stressful, but I think it's manageable and fun. It's actually quite fun, kahit stressful siya. So the thing with com, so obviously I, I didn't take communications as my course, so I wouldn't really know what subjects you had, right? But maybe could you like tell me what were your top two favorite major subjects, or maybe actually, subjects that were only for com uh, students? Yeah, actually, I can narrow it down to my favorite sem also. Okay. Um, I uh, my favorite sem had. The reason why this is my favorite sem of all of my like my com year is because most of the subjects I had were like you know com majors that I genuinely enjoyed. So it was my third year first sem, and the subjects from com that were that were happening at the same time that I enjoyed 
we're advertising, marketing, copywriting, and journalism. I think my production was TV production. So those subjects were happening at the same time, in the same sem. But I would be specific to my favorite being advertising, marketing, and copywriting. Although copywriting was really quite challenging. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, copywriting is not easy at all. Yeah. And my, my prof had really, um, especially for advertising and copywriting, both of my, actually all of them, all of my comp profs actually really had high standards. But something about like advertising or people from the advertising industry could be very, how do I say it? They, they have really high standards, especially with creativity and especially with, you know, new ideas and things like that. They can be very particular, which is the reason why those subjects could be quite challenging. So how about you tell us a bit, James, like, you know, copywriting or just writing in general, how difficult is it really? Because, you know, I guess when you think about it, when you're trying to copyright, you know, whether it's for a post or really just legitimately you're writing an article or something, it may sound easy at first. I mean, just the thought of it is easier said than done. So why don't you tell us a bit about how difficult it is and how do you put yourself in the headspace to write something awesome? Yeah, I think actually some people would, I think I would, I would actually find it easy because I'm used to doing it. I think writing or copywriting is a skill that, you have to continuously develop because it's an evolving, you know, discipline, I would say. Now, you have to continue practicing it for you to improve and to improve. But for me, of course, I remember copywriting. I was quite... Copywriting is really different from writing, like even writing your essays. Because for essays, you don't, you, you can just, you know, freely express your thoughts. You just have to structure and things like that. Copywriting is quite more different because, you know, you have to be... You have to say what you exactly want to say in a way that's concise and catchy. You have all of those things to consider. Memorable. Exactly. It has to catch also the attention of whoever you're targeting. So I think, you know, that transition was quite challenging. I mean, until now, I would say that copywriting could be like, you know, how do you make sure that they really like what you say? It's really a continuous like experiment even because... Even the audience would, you know, prefer, I think, different tones, different, you know, writing formats, different styles. And I think you really have to hone that discipline of being able to be, you know, your brevity, being concise, being able to match the tone, the audience. It's it's really an evolving, I would say. Um, it's, It's challenging. I don't find it challenging because I continuously practice it. But I think other than practicing it, you just have to also read about it, learn about it. There's really a lot of like resources you can also use to teach yourself. If let's say, because I have communication background or I have a writing background, so it's easier for me. But there are really have that. So, you know. So with that, and I agree with you because when you do copywriting, I've done copywriting. Do I consider myself, you know, super batted? No, I think I'm passable. But yeah. I agree, like, you know, the most memorable copy, you know, copies are those that are catchy and concise. Yeah. Right? So, okay. So, can I ask, when, when you're about to graduate, you obviously had a thesis. What yeah. was your thesis about and what form did you submit it? Because my assumption is when you do comp. It's not always written, your thesis. I guess you could do it in many different ways, right? Or is it just written? Um, Actually, for MC, at least, you have either that, you know, traditional, I think that what you're saying, the written, like, traditional research. Yeah. You have the, a question the, and answer type paper, of paper. Yeah. yeah. And we also have, like, a production thesis wherein you have, like, other than the written format or the written thesis, you also have to have, like, a production like a video or maybe an advertising campaign or something so it really depends on the research question or what you want for my case um it's really research based and we actually looked into um the time because that we were conducting our thesis or the time i was about to graduate the secret files was such a huge thing for most universities so that's what sorry what yeah. is that Oh my gosh. Okay. It's I think this is because you already graduated. That's why you know. I like how you're making me sound old. Um Jamia Umali. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, this is basically um, you know how each university has like a like oh, a wait, wait. Like, secret file. Like, like the, the Facebook groups where in like DLSU secret files, then you say, oh, yeah. Jay, I'm my crush." Okay, yeah, so it's the anonymous start... confession page. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no. sorry, I remember it. Sorry, Not... because you know, I just knew it as DLSU secret files, but obviously others. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So MC had it too. Yeah. Okay. So sorry, sorry, sorry for that, guys. But yeah, like what James was saying, it's just basically a page or a group on Facebook. Uh, where you could just put secrets up, whether it's yeah, anonymous questions, yeah, went to school drunk or whatever. Okay, so what about it exactly? Did you make a thesis on it? Like, what about? Uh, it? We actually looked into what Miriam students think about the, you know, the Miriam secret files. Were so that was spicy stuff there. Well, for MC standard, I mean, I think it's different per school. Like, okay, I think it would be different in a co-ed school. Spice, then. Hmm. I I mean, like like with other schools, MC has those crushes. Also, in tipong oh, I like my my classmate from like Philo. Let's say that my classmate looks really you know something like that. There are also your you know encounters stories. There are some uh, maybe if there's an issue with an event that an org did, you know all of those. And it's not it's not majorly controversial. There are some. I don't quite remember anymore but there are some i think there was one that i remember na someone said na real talk mc grads do not do well in the real world and a lot of people even some of my professors commented na maybe it's just you because yeah that's, that's, that's a lot <laughs> of right? yeah, yeah yeah so yeah it's, it's mostly like that naman. it's nothing as scandalous i think as like co-ed universities i would say Ooh. so yeah. there's no like I met my significant other while we were watching a play at school and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Or maybe there was, but I don't or remember. we were making out be- behind like the principal's door or whatever. Nothing that I don't, I, I, Yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, but that was six years ago also. So I'm not yeah. sure if my memory serves me correctly. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so your, your research, your, sorry, not research, but yeah, kind of a research. Your thesis was about what Miriam uh, students thought about it and what was like the the conclusion of your thesis? Actually, you know, like it was an interesting study because there were some students who think that, you know, this is not uh, an accurate representation of who Miriam students are. And we actually also mentioned that, oh yeah, there are, you know, these are the characteristics that Miriam students should have or this is what, you know, is expected of us, something like that. And there's a discrepancy somewhat. And like how we are seen versus what is, you know, expected of us. But yeah, I, you know, I think that that was it. I, that's what I remember. <laughs> it sounds so, you know, I have this feeling that you're just so nice and that you don't really get into trouble. So maybe that's why that's all you remember. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but then again, we're friends with Ina, so. <laughs> anyway. So, okay, so you did obviously did well in your thesis. You, you know, you did the research on it, you know, the, the old school written on paper, stuff like that. And, okay, so after you graduated, and obviously we don't want to drop names of companies here, right? But what was yeah. your first job in terms of the role in itself? Yeah, actually, you know, I think I also mentioned this to you before. I had two options. Yeah. One was to be an English teacher for a senior high school. The okay. other was to be a marketing assistant for a fashion brand. And we all know what you chose, yeah. Yeah, I chose the marketing role because it was what I really wanted to do. Like, even early on, you, you guys knew. I already talked about, like, how much I love marketing and things like that. And as much as I love teaching, you also know this, that I also love teaching. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of pay, like, marketing paid more. And the thing with being a teacher, if I chose that route i had to pass the licensure exam also which is you know i think would be challenging considering i did not graduate with an ed degree right correct yeah the marketing okay and so you know you got into the fashion brand maybe you could tell us a bit what you did for them exactly i mean like what you said marketing communication all of these disciplines are somewhat related in a way but in terms of the training, uh, what you do, they're all different in their own ways, right? So why don't you tell us a yeah. bit about what you did for them? 
Actually, you know, um, my my role as a marketing assistant, um, I did social media marketing management. I did Facebook ads, Facebook management also. And then um, I also did, you know, every time if we had like a, let's say, uh, like an offline event, there was only one of those during my, my time there. Yeah. We wanted to do like an event, like a store managed event. So I also had to put that up. We had promos in the stores. I had to make sure that those were going well. And then I also had to do e-commerce management, basically, because we our brand had a has a brand.com. So I had to, you know, check the sales, make sure that the stocks are aligned and all of those things. I think that's really cool of you. And okay, so you stayed there for quite some time. Then you transferred to a different company, right? Yeah, what, I did. What was the industry again of the other company? Mm, the after yeah after the fashion brand, I moved into a, a like a mall. Yeah, <laughs> the mall setup <laughs> of the mall yeah. management marketing. You know, marketing a mall basically. Yeah, and is that where you kind of started to feel a lot of pressure and stress in your life? I mean, obviously, in school in your first job, you felt all of those, right? But is this the time when you really felt that it was really affecting you emotionally and somewhat, you know, um, in terms of your health is yeah. when you got into that job? Actually, I really felt that struggle even in my first job. Oh, okay. And, okay, just to share, of course, um, I've been, as you mentioned, I was in my first role for actually at least a year, for almost two years. And... Yeah, I mentioned earlier what I was doing there. And wow, you and I both know that's a lot yeah, for just one. It's a crazy amount. Yeah. I remember I remember when I was starting to feel distressed. I was starting to feel pressured. I remember I was talking with one of my friends who was also doing a marketing role. And we were when we were talking about our roles, he said, Well, you you know what? What you're doing is the job of our entire team. Like we have different people doing all of those different things that you were doing. And yeah. I was starting to think, I was like, oh, nga, yeah, I was doing so much. And then what brought me stress especially was the e-commerce part, wherein we had to transition our e-commerce from parang third party to in-house. I remember being That's so game for joke. it. Yeah, I remember being so game for it. I was asked, oh, do you want to do this? Is this something that you want to do? I was like, gee, I'm game. I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to, to do everything. To conquer. But then, yeah. You know me, Pao. I've, I've always been someone when you ask me to do it, I'll do it. But yeah. then I realized, you know, when I was getting into it, I was doing it. I was realizing, you know, wait, this is too much. I'm doing a lot. And then it did start to affect my mental health to the point now because of that stress, that environment, that responsibility. Because, because, you know, even though I was like the marketing person, I didn't have anyone else to share the workload with. I was doing everything on my own. And my boss was someone who would just ask you to do things rather than really mentor you or guide you or even had like a career plan. So I had all of a lot of different things that I was thinking about. One was my workload. Second was I wasn't feeling as passionate or as excited for marketing as I was already, you know, in that role, in that position. Yeah. And then um, I didn't, I've been there for like at least a year or almost two years and I don't know where my career is go going. Like there's no growth. There's no growth. And fourth was, as I said, my my boss wasn't really a mentor. You know, I wasn't really sure like, okay, well, where am I going? What's the growth plan? And for me, pal, um, you know me as someone that I want to grow with the brands I'm working with. Like, I think it's a mutual growth kind of thing. And as much as I love the brand I was working on, as much as I had plans or I was excited for it to grow, that was the thing. I had the plans or I was the one who was excited. The management or my boss wasn't like invested or excited about it as I was. I didn't feel like they were passionate or determined to grow the brand and all of those things. So all of that, all of that really took a toll on me, made me anxious and eventually i was diagnosed with anxiety and mild depression because of all of those things yeah and you know i just can't imagine what you were going through because i guess 
how do I say this? Because, you know, here in the Philippines, right, unlike, you know, other countries abroad, especially the Western countries, mental health has this awful stigma here, right? Yeah. Wherein, you know, it's like, hey, I went to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. It's said in a very hush kind of tone as compared to, you know, like abroad. It's like, oh, I went to my psychiatrist. It's like saying, oh, yeah, you know, I had my dental appointment yesterday. It's like, okay, yeah. sure, cool. You okay? You know what I mean? So yeah. when you're going through all of that, James, obviously that wasn't easy because of all the emotional stress you're going through. Yeah. Uh, and of course, physical stress, because my assumption is when, you ha- when you're going through emotional stress or mental stress, obviously it affects you physically as well, right? Yeah. Uh, did you have a good support system within your family where you know, they listened to you and maybe they told you, hey, you know, I think it's time for you to, to, see, you know, to seek professional help? Actually, Pao, I was the one. I already realized early on that something was wrong with me because um, other than the stress and the anxiety, I was breaking down every day in the office. I was like, I would just need to leave my desk for a while, go to the yeah. bathroom just to cry. It, it, it got to that point. Eh? And, you know, I was already anxiety, although at that time I didn't know it was anxiety. I was having all of these attacks and, you know, worries. And then I had that realization that maybe I should, you know, go to therapy, see a psychiatrist. And actually, the first few people I talked to about this, or the first few people who had ideas about this, was not my immediate family or actual family, but my work family. Okay. I had like a big sister there and like a mom figure there. And I remember telling her, Mom, she, parang, should I should I go to a doctor? Now I feel like I should go to a doctor. I feel like I should set an appointment. She's like, yeah, go na, go na. And then I was also asking her, Mom, she, do I tell my parents? Like, yeah, go, go tell them. Ganyan. And eventually, you know, I did. I, I went to therapy. And I, I haven't stopped going to therapy since. But, you know, yeah, it, it was really a tough time. And I was incredibly fortunate to have some familial figures at work who, you know, really encouraged me to to go to go to therapy but yeah I, I did make those realizations also and i was asking them should i go and they said yes so so with that uh and if it's okay for you to discuss when you went to your parents right or maybe just one of your parents and said you know mom or dad or both i really yeah. think i need help because of and you know you told them how did they react to it you know you know, this is the first time I think in a while that I, I had to go back to that memory. And I remember um I couldn't like I couldn't muster up the courage to tell them. I didn't know what I what I should say or how to say it. So I wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to them and then parang I, I told my mom, Mom, this is I have something for you. Can you can you read it? And then she was like, no, just tell me what's what's wrong, what's up. And then I broke down. I told them, now, um, I think I need to go to therapy. I set up an appointment. Like, can you can you come with me? So, so yeah, that, that's how that happened. And, you know, I'm incredibly grateful that my parents were like, okay, we'll go with you. And they were actually really supportive ever since. But... Also, at the start of it, they did have some misconceptions about anxiety and depression that has since, you know, evolved or has since changed because they now see firsthand what it's like for me. So they know what to say, what not to say, or how to, you know, address it or how to help me. So, yeah. I think that's awesome that, you know, your parents, of course, I guess... You know, not to generalize, right? But, you know, the older generation, I guess they just really don't understand it because maybe by the, at that time, you know, I could be wrong, obviously. It wasn't really a subject that a lot of people spoke about. That's one. And second, maybe at that time, uh, people didn't really need it as much. But then again, you know, I, I wouldn't, I'm not an expert at this. Yeah. So, you know, you, you went through all of that stress. Then you went yeah. to seek help, right? You went to a professional how did your first meeting with the professional go like obviously you guys spoke and things like that so what did you guys speak about and what was the help that the person gave you Mm, okay i'm trying to go back to that memory because that was four years ago so okay 
I remember, um, of course, since it's your first time talking to, to a therapist, you know, I think it varies depending on the doctor. So I'm incredibly fortunate to have a really good doctor and my therapist is really good to me. Uh, the, the first session I remember was really more of like a getting to know, like she, she, you know, she really understood my history, like, you know, how we grew up in school and all of those things. Eventually, you know, we talked about like, she, she asked me like, why? did I set up an appointment? Like, why was I there? So I told her about what was happening at work, you know, all of those, you know, struggles, frustrations, anxieties, and I just broke down. Like, you know, I really broke down. And then, um, you know, after some, you know, questions and answer and whatnot, so she did say na, okay, so you're showing signs of anxiety. So, you know, I was diagnosed with anxiety because of that. And she asked me if I wanted to take meds or not. And I remember saying, um, I think I would want the meds, but I would want to try to manage this on my own as well. So I think from there, I was I was given the meds, my anti-anxiety meds. And yeah, that's that's how that first you know session went. Then I, my assumption is, you know, you came back and, and things got a bit better when you got the help and the medicines and the counseling and stuff like that, right? Yes, but it's actually a journey. It's really like, you know, if you've seen those like, you know, posts on Facebook where progress is like not linear, it's up and down. That's exactly what happened to me, you know, with therapy and with the situations I was at work. Um, I would be okay sometimes and there were, would be certain situations. There would be times that I'm not, you know, that I have anxiety. And then eventually, a few months later, I was diagnosed with depression. So eventually it led oh. to depression and then... I had to take antidepressants from, like, you know, what, once I was diagnosed. And it took me, like, three different types of, like, medication or antidepressants. I had to switch three times to get the right medica- medication for me. Because it's like, you know, you have, like, kiang, if you're familiar with the word pao. I'm really you have- not, but yeah. I'll try to, to get what it means. Okay, so it's basically, you know, with medicine. You know how, like, unyari, let's say, you have like fever. There are certain medicines that make you sleepy, certain medicines that make you not sleepy. Parang ganun din with antidepressants. Like it works differently for because we have different bodies, diba? So ganun yon. So with the antidepressant, the first one I got actually made me more depressed. Oh wow. <laughs> so we had to switch. That could happen. I was also surprised that you could be more depressed because of meds. Second, um, this we had to change. The second one made me high. You know, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna explain it in a way that, like, you know, um, you you felt too happy or invincible, in a way yeah. like, oh, you can do anything. Nothing's gonna harm me. Nothing's gonna, you know. So, I also got to that stage, which is also not good. And then we switched to the meds that I currently have. So, um, it's this. This is the same meds, or it's the same brand. But we have increased the dosage since 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, obviously, you know, you went through of that. And I guess I'm just wondering, how are, how are you able to balance that, right? In terms of, you know, what you're going through, the medicine you're taking, and with work. Like, how are you able to balance that? You know, I think... Um, actually quite difficult to manage depending on the environment or the situation I'm in because of course after that first job you know Pao that after that I had like one two three four jobs after that (laughs) yeah I had four jobs after that so you know each job or each each of them had different work environments work experiences therefore like you know there are certain work experiences and environments that were good for me or okay for me for my mental health and help me, you know, be okay. But there were certain environments, certain situations that made my health worse than it is or, you know, triggered me in a way. Yeah, because I just can't imagine what you were going through. Then you have to balance that out with work, right? Because if let's just say, you know, you, you, your physical health was the one being triggered, right? Let's say you had an ACL tear or you had a separated shoulder, you know, you'll be out for work for what, a day or two? Then when you come back, you're 
good as new, right? But, you know, when it affects your mind, because the thing is, when because of the kind of job that we have, we use our minds a lot. Yeah. Right? Our physical is more about just typing stuff, creating, like, presentations, creating the plans, etc. But it's not a very physical job. It's a very mental job. It's about thinking, right? So yeah. I just can't imagine what you went through during those times. And I'm just happy that, you know, in that job of yours in the mall that you had like a somewhat work family and you had a girl that you'd call Mamshi or Momshi or whatever she, right? Uh, but I'm just wondering, James, because, you know, yet I always admired about you. You're always very open about mental health. And I think that we need more people like that because it's true. You know, mental health is just something normal. It's just like going to your dentist. It's like going to your ophthalmologist or whatever kind of doctor you can think of, right? Yeah. And I think very brave of you that you're very open. But when did you start becoming very open about it, knowing that, you know, it's very, it's a stigma here. It's not really frowned upon, but it's just spoken about in very hush-hush tones. Um, actually, you know, I think I've always been open about it naman, ever since I was diagnosed. But I think um, the openness varies because sometimes in initial interviews with some of the jobs that I had, yeah, some of them, or at first, I didn't want to tell HR. I didn't want to tell them because I felt that they might discriminate against me or might be an issue. But eventually, I realized I had that one experiencing at that mall brand or <laughs> the time I worked in a mall for a month, um, I realized I had to tell them because otherwise they're, they're just going to think that I'm being, you know, I, how do I say it? I don't want to be pitied on. I don't want to be discriminated on. But at the same time, they need to also be aware the situation so that when something happens, when I don't feel well, it won't affect their workflow and they would understand. So I think that's how I see it. That's why I've always been open about it. But you know, Pao, I also learned how to be selective on who you you should open up with because there are some people who are just not as open-minded or as understanding as they should be. Because I remember one co-worker telling me na, oh, maybe if I had what you have, like, our manager will not be as hard on me. So, parang, uh, yeah, yeah. So, ever since that person said that to me, I stopped being, you know, casually friends with her, stopped talking to her. I didn't want that kind of mentality or thinking around me. So, so but yeah, there are some people, that, like, unfortunately, who think that way or just don't get it. So, yeah. No, I'm, I'm just so happy that you know, but no, I'm not happy about that person because that person is an awful human being, right? But I mean, in terms of, you know, you finding the right people to open up to and and things like that. So now, you know, you, you went through that job. Then, of course, we became office mates. Yeah. Um, you had some struggles there, some troubles that I don't want to really discuss yeah. about. Just because, I mean, it was a very difficult time, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. And now you're in your current job where I know you're doing simply suburban. So why don't you tell yeah. us a bit more about your current job, uh, your role, and why you're going to become like the next CEO or something. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I had I had a lot of ups and downs, as you said, with my career. We're not gonna talk about those, but yeah, the current role that I have actually um I started last year around December as a brand strategist. And I remember that was the time, um, I think I started looking for jobs around November um, because I was unemployed since June last year. Um, I had la- I was laid off at work due to redundancy and all. And yeah. then I started to just rest and think about what I wanted to do next. I think Pao, that was something that I didn't really do in the past four three, four years that I was quote-unquote job hopping, I was just like, okay, maybe let's try this role. Maybe it will work this time. Or maybe let's do this role. Maybe it will work this time. Like I was being cautiously optimistic, but at the same time, my heart wasn't totally, or my heart and mind wasn't totally in it, I guess. I had my doubts and all of those things. 
But yeah, this role that I had, yeah, when I applied in November and then I saw the job description. Actually, I don't know if I mentioned this to you or I mentioned this to some people. When I saw the job description, I didn't realize that that was what I wanted to do until I saw it. Like when I was reading, I was like, oh my gosh, there's 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 this kind of role. Like this is something that I can do. So so yeah, I applied and I got the job. Apparently they were waiting or hiring for a year and then they found me <laughs> and I found them. So it was, it's actually been a really, really, one of my definitely favorite experiences. Of course, I'm not gonna discount the time I was working with you guys, but yeah. <laughs> definitely this is one of like, you know, I feel like I'm at my peak or I feel like I'm really in a genuinely good or great place because I'm doing work that I genuinely love. Like I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm really actually doing things I'm like, I'm not overworked. And, you know, one thing Pao, that I realized, you know, yeah. at the core of our discussion, you know, we we earlier, I realized that at my core, kasi, what I really wanted to do was to be able to create, like, you know, to think, to research, and then to create and implement something. Like, that was it. That was the reason why I wanted to be a writer. That was the reason why I enjoyed, you know, that teenpreneur challenge because we were thinking and then we were creating and innovating. That was the reason why I enjoyed COM. That was the reason why I enjoyed my internship as a, like, brand intern. Like, that was what was missing in most of my jobs or in my past roles. And I mean, I was able to do it naman in some roles, but I guess I also saw how passionate and driven the people I work with. And like, you know, like my passion or my drive matches theirs. And that's what I've always, you know, liked because that's what I've always wanted because I didn't want to work with people who were doing things haphazardly or not as focused, as not determined, as passionate because I've been there, you know, just maintaining the status quo. And, and yun nga, because I'm doing branding right now, I think that was the the, the, the difference. Eh? Because I was I was thinking, I'm, what, what I'm doing right now is I'm doing research. I'm analyzing data. I'm analyzing competitors. That's one thing that I really, really love, competitor research. Audience research. I also love doing that. All of those research things, market research, and yeah. And then you, you come up with an idea. You write, you think, like, what, what's the branding or what's the big idea? What's the differentiation? Like, all of those things. Thinking about all of those things and then coming up with a brand. Like, that's what I genuinely just really enjoy. Because, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I realized at the core of my previous experiences from grade school, high school, even college. That's what I really wanted to do. And I'm I'm glad that I'm able to do it right now. And you know, I think also one thing that some experiences that I had were traumatic that I have right now is the trust. Um my management, my manager, the people I work with, just really trust my capabilities, trust that I can get the work done. And I do. So I think, yeah, so I think that's really what's different or what's making this role so special that even like in almost a year, I have no doubts in my mind or I'm not thinking about leaving <laughs> because, you know, it, and honestly, I realized um, a sign of like a toxic or a negative workplace is when parang within half a year or within a certain period of time, pag kaka-start mo pa lang, if you just started and you already want to leave because there are certain work environments that are like that. But here I don't I don't get that. Like I'm genuinely enjoying what I'm doing. I think that's that's amazing, James, and I'm very very happy for you. Uh, but can I just ask you something? Yeah. And I hope you don't take this the wrong way. But mm-hmm. do you think job ho- job hopping is bad? Um. Yes and no. I think it depends. Because honestly, Pao. Um. I think one of the reasons why I job hopped first um, compensation. I yeah. think if you want to get a good raise, sometimes if staying in one place, it's better. Parang it's better for you to transfer because the 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 salary increase is higher if you transfer rather than waiting for a pay increase. There are certain situations that are like that that I've been to. Na parang there was one job for not naming names, of course. Parang wala pang five percent yung salary increase. 
So, oh my so, god, so, so it's like yeah. here's a hundred bucks, James. Go, yeah, go, go, go buy yourself a McDonald's cheeseburger every cutoff. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I think job hopping is good for, let's say, if you want the salary increase. Next, if you want a career change, because that usually for me, that was the reason. Actually, if you review my roles, they're actually quite different from one another. So I've had not just different experiences in different roles, but even different industries, because that's what I also That was what I wanted also. Parang early in my career, kasi it's mostly fashion. And I wanted to get away from fashion one because i was traumatized um two it's because i didn't want to be known as a fashion person three i wanted to be also always i've always wanted to be the kind of person who learns always new things learns from different industries different categories because the data the insight and the consumer behavior is always different from different categories and different industries which is why i'm also actually enjoying what i'm doing right now and then i get to work on a different kinds of categories and products yeah i think that's awesome so i'm just wondering james because of how open you are about your mental health about you know marketing and all of these things has there been someone who said hey you know james you know you know sorry to bother you stuff like that but you know i need some advice about you know mental health about how i'm feeling right now i, I think you're you get where i'm going with my question right yeah Actually, um, when I left like my, like my first few jobs, first two jobs, and then eventually met different people like you guys, I think that was the first step when I, you know, when we worked together and then all the experiences after that, I would meet or I would encounter people who would openly talk about mental health. I think I'm incredibly fortunate to end up in some teams that openly talk about that. Na, yun nga, check up on how I'm feeling or how I'm doing, but also because I know someone in the team or who's all, who also has anxiety. And I think I encountered someone also with bipolar disorder. So I remember nga every time I transferred a new team or a new company and then I meet someone, you know, pa, I, I would always meet someone now with, with a mental health like struggle also. So that's how, or that's when I realized how real it is. And how serious it is because yeah, every time i moved every time i met someone new i would always find someone who who understands how i feel who, who you know who's in the same boat yeah and i think that that's you know great to hear that you know you you're willing to give your wisdom and your experience to to these people right and you know now you're doing well i'm happy for you and you know when your office meets i was we we're always there for each other yeah. and that's how things should be so why don't you tell me, a bit, I'm not sure if you're willing to talk about it, but you do have some volunteerism coming up, right? Yeah. yeah. So why don't you tell, tell me more about that, if you're okay Actually, with talking about it. Of course, I can talk about it. It's just now, you know, I have very limited information yet because we haven't officially talked or meet, like, the team. Yeah, of course. But, but basically, um, I'm one of the youth coaches for the National Youth Commission's Youth, you know, Mental Wellness Hub. So um, I am one of 24 across the country who's doing this. And, you know, as far as, you know, I, I've read some of the training material so far, you know, by coaching, you know, we're expected to like, you know, coach like one of the youth, like someone to, to, you know, when it comes to their mental health journey. Again, I'm not really fully familiar what is expected of me in this role, but basically that's it, you know, being a parang youth mental health coach. I mean, it's obviously easier said. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not entirely yeah. sure what else I need to do, but yeah, it's be- yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah, but thanks for sharing that. So I guess I just have one last uh, question for you, James. Yeah. If it's okay with you. So sure. let's just say someone wants to go up to you and says, "Hey, James, you know, I'm like a 18 year old, 19 year old kid, or maybe I'm just a fresh grad, and you know, I'm experiencing some anxiety, or maybe you know, they're they're assuming it's anxiety, right? Or they're 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 experiencing some negative feelings that they know it's connected to their mental health yeah. and they're ask, and they'll ask you for advice. What advice would you give them? You know, pal, actually before I would get, give advice, I think I would want to know also more details, no, like what exactly she's going through the, the context, because honestly, I think the advice varies based on where you are. 
in life or in maybe even in your anxiety and all because you know i think you need to also be careful with your word choice eh? because some words can either you know make or break someone so so i think you know before you give any advice that's that's one thing i would do but if i were to say one thing no that i also really learned recently i think it's about being okay with all those anxieties and sad and hurt feelings because those emotions make you human it's like it's a normal human experience and you need to have self compassion because you need to be okay with those feelings and you need to parang nurture it acknowledge those feelings and then eventually you heal parang i know you might feel that you want to get out of it i know it feels suffocating it's hard to breathe you don't know what to do you feel like you're trapped and i understand that right? i understand that struggle so you know the best thing to do i think is to really be compassionate with yourself and ask for help don't don't be afraid to ask for help from your family from your friends or even professional help yeah i think that, that that's really awesome of you james well yeah. that's it for me james thank you so much you know for opening up about everything yeah of course and thank you for hosting i mean I, i think this is really the most authentic and honest conversation i've had so far with about myself that of course my listeners would be getting from me so now at least they have an idea of that you know behind my very serious or you know strong marketing beliefs is someone <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're doing you're doing really well with your your podcast right now. Yeah, so, you know, you. it's really awesome content, especially for marketing. You know, you you really give a lot of good experiences and advice to people out there. So yeah, actually, yeah, since we're talking about mental health, no, I just wanted to share that. I think what really helped also for me is not just the work environment that I have and the fact that I'm doing what I genuinely enjoy. But also because my personal efforts to really, you know, like help myself or manage my mental health. Like I've been reading or I've been listening to audiobooks, to podcasts, and really helping myself manage my own. And I'm doing so well, actually. It's well enough, like, just to share with you, we lowered the dosage of my antidepressant last month. Oh, wow. That's really nice. That's really yeah, nice. yeah. That's actually a really, like, major win. So it's been a month. Exactly, and it's, I'm doing really well. Surprisingly, I, at first I was really anxious about it, but I felt that I felt good about it. I felt like I could do it, and I did. So, the the current dosage I'm drinking was is the like our marketing era. <laughs> like if you remember me, like what what it was like when we were working together. That, yeah, yeah, that's that's the me. <laughs> that's the me right now. But yeah, that's amazing. I'm so happy for you, James. Yeah. But yeah, well, thank you so much again, James, for you know, sharing all of this to your viewers, and thank you, of course, for having me here. Yeah, of course, and I'm I'm so thankful for you to host. I mean, I think this is really also a good way for me to connect with my listeners, for them to really get an idea about me more than marketing. So, of course, you know, thank you again, Paul. Of course, as you as we mentioned earlier, Paul is also the host of Igla Production. So, why don't you invite? Um, our listeners, pal, to check out Iglap also. Well, you know, thanks again, James, for inviting me here. And you know, to James's um, viewers, if you want to watch other things, I, I have a lot of crazy topics out there, and not exactly yeah. crazy, but I've had topics that people are like, okay, you really have a podcast about that. So, you know, I had a topic about this lady who was a theater actress in college, then she became a marketer how that changed, how the industry has changed. They have upcoming episodes about, you know, former flight attendant, how life is after the pandemic, what she's doing to survive, quote-unquote, in a way. And, uh, yeah, you know, think about the topic. I most likely have an episode on that. I mean, I've had James there. She spoke about, you know, women entrepreneurs in the past. So, yeah, you know, just come to Iglap. Uh, just watch one episode. It's a very chill place. We drink a lot. We smoke a lot of cigarettes as well. But yeah, just give it a go if you're free. That's I G L A P. Uh, our episodes are usually every Thursday, 
So yeah, thank you again so much, James, for having me here and giving me the honor and the opportunity to talk to you about all of this. Thank you to our guest host, Paolo of Iglap Productions. If you enjoyed this discussion, make sure to follow our podcast to get notified on the latest uploads. Share your thoughts, suggest topics, or collaborate with me at the Gen Z Marketer Podcast on Facebook, at Gen Z MKT on Instagram, and at www.genzmkt.com.